oil prices have been going up, so it's high time we talk about commodities. Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team. What we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of April 12th, 2021. Welcome back, LG. The introduction is so much better when you're on the other side. (laughs) Thank you. It's great to be back, even if it is kind of cold and rainy here in New York. Yeah, and you're back just in time to cover one of the most exciting topics and biggest listener questions that we've been getting out there. Yeah, if by exciting me, you mean crazy volatile and exciting also being we get the inflation numbers this week. So commodities are pretty important. Yeah, well, just like volatility, excitement can be a good thing or a bit of a bad thing. Well, in that case, excitement is exactly the right word for today's topic, which is commodities. Yeah, maybe it makes sense to start with what we mean when we talk about commodities, because it can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. There's industrial commodities like steel and copper that get used for making buildings. And then there's energy commodities like oil and coal that power our cities. There's also precious metals like gold that get used as a store of value. And of course, there's agricultural commodities as well, like the food for us, feed for animals, that kind of thing. Right. And all of these commodities are pretty different. So I guess that begs the question, why would someone invest in commodities? Well, there's three reasons to invest in commodities. Diversification, a hedge against inflation, and, well, returns. Well, let's start with the most interesting one then, returns, because it's the main reason why we address commodities and invest. Commodities have rallied pretty significantly since positive vaccine announcements. And I'm just looking at some numbers here. Wheat, corn, and soy are all up about 30%. Steel is up about 62%. And crude oil is up about 40%. This is all since the first positive efficacy data came out about the vaccines. But our listeners didn't need me to tell them that. Everybody feels it at the pump right now with the average price of a gallon of gasoline now near $3, up about 50% from a year ago. Or $4 if you're in Hawaii, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Some of the higher returns that you're mentioning have to do with one of the commodities' key characteristics. At least for energy, industrial, and agricultural commodities, they tend to do well when the economy's improving. And, and that makes sense, right? If you need to build more stuff, then you need to use more stuff. And demand for that stuff, being commodities, will put upward pressure on the price. Right. And the higher beta of commodities means that when the cycle is turning, you potentially have higher returns there. Exactly. Yeah. But higher commodity prices as the cycle improves, that also kind of sounds like inflation or an argument for inflation. Wouldn't higher beta to a rising growth environment make commodities naturally an inflation hedge for investors? For industrial commodities and agricultural commodities, yes, that's an excellent point. And it's basically the same argument. 
For precious metals, though, the argument's a little bit different. People think of gold as a great inflation hedge, but actually when we run the data, it's more of a hedge against central bank activity than actual inflation. And that's really, really interesting. So you're saying when the Fed and their money printer, colloquially is said, is running, people invest in gold? Yep, that's it. But as we've learned in the last 10 to 15 years, the Fed's money printer doesn't necessarily mean price inflation is going to move up. So precious metals haven't acted exactly like an inflation hedge, but they're more of a policy play. Super interesting. And that brings us to the last reason to invest in commodities, which would be plain old diversification. Yes. And diversification is a key way to mitigate risk in a portfolio. And as we pointed out earlier, commodities can do a lot of different things. They're also impacted by a lot of different factors. We've been talking about demand factors so far in the program, like improving growth and increasing activity. But as I'm sure Lauren will comment on, there's also supply factors. Exactly. So we've talked about more demand for energy, for example, could push the price up. But you also have the supply for those factors, like if Saudi Arabia or Russia turn off the oil pipeline. Mm, Interesting. Or mine gets flooded or any other host of issues that could weaken the supply. As a side note, I just want to interrupt here because I think that there's three points to be made about ESG investing as it relates to commodities. First of all, the energy transition out of fossil fuels and into electrification will require massive amounts of commodities. It's just how we're going to do it. Second, in no way can we claim that commodities are clean in general. The exploration, the mining, the transportation, and the transformation of commodities has an environmental and a social footprint. However, ignoring commodities doesn't solve the problem either because, well, at one, they are the root of society and the root of our transition to a cleaner future. The third point I want to make, though, is that commodity impact goes way beyond just greenhouse gas emissions. So when you're thinking about the ESG impact of commodities in a portfolio, there's a broader set of environmental criteria and social criteria that investors should take into account. Investors have to look at water and wastewater impacts, biodiversity impacts, the raw materials used to produce a commodity like fertilizer in agricultural fields. They should also consider workforce human rights and the impact on local communities Like if you grabbed a bunch of land or you hurt the human health because of pollution. So do you think then, Robert, that as we see some sort of infrastructure package passed in the U.S., whatever it looks like, it sounds like what you're saying is that even if that's green infrastructure investment, it's also going to require a lot of investment in commodities. That's exactly what I'm saying. The transition to a greener future will require a lot of commodities, whether it's investment in EV electric vehicle batteries or just the power grid to get power across the country. We'll need a tremendous amount of commodities to do that. Interesting. So we're kind of combining the arguments for potential return here also with diversification. And if I think about the sort of diversifying benefits that commodities have in a portfolio. At the end of the day, these are real assets. 
Like if you have a commodity in your portfolio, you know, where are you storing the steel or how are you using it? And so they tend to react to changing economic fundamentals in different ways than stocks or bonds, which are financial assets. So again, that different type of asset in a portfolio has some potential diversification benefits. Exactly. And their correlation to stocks and bonds tends to be low over time, helping investors to build the diversified portfolio as we've been talking about. And in a diversified portfolio where asset classes tend not to move in sync with each other, that can potentially reduce the overall portfolio volatility. And when you reduce portfolio risk and portfolio volatility, that should improve the consistency of returns over time, all else equal. Yeah, that's with the with the all else equal, we should mention that diversification, even with commodities or between real assets and financial assets, doesn't insure against loss. And commodities can be volatile. We've certainly seen that in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, super volatile. On that note, uh, commodities have had a pretty good run as the economic expectations have improved, as I outlined earlier. Lauren, do you think it can continue? Yeah, it can continue as expectations for economic growth turn into actual economic growth. I'd expect that throughout this year, we'll have some pipeline inflation by which higher real demand impacts industrial and agricultural commodity prices in particular. But some of the factors boosting commodities in previous cycles, so like China's growth and sort of emergence onto the international stage, are going to be less of a secular push this time around. Much like some of our other investment ideas for the year, commodities may be a tactical position and some of the dynamics like Europe not picking up as quickly as the US yet or emerging markets not picking up as quickly as the US yet might weigh into that supply-demand imbalance. Yeah, I remember our recent guest, Julia Herman, talked a bit about that. She discussed the commodities super cycle and how that can impact emerging market countries. I definitely suggest our listeners go back and check out that episode if they did miss it. It was a good one. But just one more thing to mention here, there's obviously a lot going on with commodities investing right now. For most investors, it is extremely important to work with your financial professional just to determine whether and how much exposure to commodities makes sense for your long-term investment goals. Now it's time for our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And I think the obvious question for today's topic is, if you're interested in getting exposure to commodities, how do you do it? I recommend buying a shovel. (laughs) Yeah, I can totally see you digging for coal. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, It's an important point though. Holding a barrel of oil or a bushel of wheat is impractical for most people. Most people don't take delivery of a commodity. So investors tend to seek other ways to get commodity exposure. And the most direct way is through commodities futures. But just like grabbing a shovel, this doesn't make sense for most normal investors because the process of rolling monthly contracts for these securities gets expensive and complex. Yeah, it sounds exhausting. Yeah. Another way to access commodities is through natural resource equities. This could include commodity trading advisors like CTAs or ETFs or other funds that try to gather commodities exposures, whether an individual commodity or a basket of commodities. Yeah. And by a basket of commodities, we mean industrial metals, which could include steel and copper, for example, or precious metals or agricultural commodities or all commodities even is a basket. Mm -hmm. And these natural resource equities have their benefits like being more readily available to investors, but they're also not as directly tied to the commodity itself. They have an average standard deviation, just to use some numbers, it's volatility of 21%. 
compared to 12 to 13% for commodity spot prices. So significantly higher volatility in those resource equities. Got it. So the further away you get from the direct commodity itself, the easier it gets to hold that security, but you kind of get what you pay for. You're going to have less direct exposure, more volatility. Yeah, exactly. But there's even more ways to think about your commodity exposure in a portfolio. You can also think about an even more indirect exposure way. For example, you could invest in a basket of stocks of various miners or energy companies or battery supply companies, whatever the extraction and production process for that commodity is. Yeah, a similar idea to this would be investing in certain energy exporting countries. So I mentioned earlier Russia as a strongly oil export driven economy, at least for now. Yeah, the challenge with these strategies is that they aren't a perfect or direct exposure to the commodity itself. So investing in a gold mining company also means investing in the management of that company, not just the value of gold. So you do take some risk there as well. Of course. And investing in a commodity exporting country also isn't very straightforward. It's a whole country. And so with all the broader economic trends and consumers and government actions and geopolitical tensions and currency and all those other factors that would obscure the access to the commodity exposure itself. I feel kind of bad. Our listeners are probably thinking that this is starting to sound a bit hopeless. But there are some good investment processes out there. You just really have to understand the commodity investment process. One example I've seen is funds that use equities to avoid the roll effect in futures and also implement a broad market hedge so you get more of an unhedged or direct exposure to the resources themselves. Again, just as an example of ways to address some of these challenges in in a cohesive investment strategy that gets access to commodities more directly. Yeah, there definitely are some good solutions out there for accessing commodities exposure in a portfolio. But The big picture is if you're interested in exposure to a commodity, it's important to first understand why you're getting that exposure, then consider the vehicles that you have to do so, uh, what type of investment solutions you have. If they're not a direct fit into your investment goals, as I said earlier, and particularly if they don't suit your overall risk tolerance, like if it makes your portfolio way riskier than you're comfortable with, then you might want to consider another investment opportunity. Coming up next, this week, we get an inflation print, and I can promise you investors will be paying very close attention. It'll be the data for March, and since March 2020 was so bad, I expect the year-on-year numbers to be pretty high. Remember, this isn't the type of inflation that the Fed is worried about. They know that there's bound to be some wacky year-on-year effects due to the pandemic, and markets know this too, but I'll be watching to see how things go down. Yes, another source of evidence that inflation could be rising on the horizon came last week from producer price inflation, the cost of the goods that go into making other goods and services. That rose above 4%, which is the highest since 2011. And that's pointing some investors to fearing inflation down the road. So inflation is what the market is watching right now. Well, that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. Yes, let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, let us know on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views on our website. That's newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the insights tab, or you can go to the new multi-asset solutions page. It's a great page. Until then, I am Robert Terenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. 
Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.